Hello and welcome to our special series of Green Elephant interviews during March 2021, supporting the annual B Corps Month. B Corporations, or B Corps for short, are businesses that meet the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance, public transparency and legal accountability to balance profit and purpose. Throughout March, we are chatting with key people in companies which have chosen to certify as B Corps and become a force for good. Um, today, I've been joined by Jeff Manchester from Intrepid Travel. Intrepid Travel are a leader in ethical small group travel and have been operating since 1989. They provide adventure travel across 120 countries in seven continents and have around thousands of trips, which makes them the largest travel B Corporation. They've been a certified B Corporation for three years. And I guess that means I've either just gone or just going through the recertification process. Uh, Jeff is director and co-founder at Intrepid. Uh, welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks, great to be here to talk with you. Great, great. And um, I had a, uh, did a bit of research before we, we came on and, and I went to the Intrepid Travel homepage and it was great to see the very first thing I saw was a, um, a coast path trek in Cornwall, which is where I live in the UK. So that was um, uh, <laughs> nice, to, <laughs> nice to see it was uh, started local. So that was, that was great. Um, <laughs> I, I guess can't start any conversation on travel at the moment without talking about COVID and the impact of that and I'm guessing that it's had a significant impact on Intrepid. Oh look absolutely I mean when COVID hit I think we had um, something like 14,000 people out on trips at the time and we had to get them home yeah. so, so that was a huge impact at first and look we got most of those home uh, reasonably quickly but mm. the last I'm not sure the last thousand took a bit longer and then the last hundred took ages and there was a few people who were you know um uh stranded in obscure places in peru and various yeah. parts of the world to get them home because um, by then flights were um getting cancelled and, and just not non-existent so yeah. so um so that was the first stressful part but then um but then basically um business stopped and we've hardly done anything for the last 12 months other than you know run a few trips in uh in australia and uk and mm. a couple of parts of europe and north america but um you know instead of doing something like um uh five thousand departures each month it's about five so it's just wow. ridiculously small yeah. yeah and and i guess like any business that's uh, a challenge to survive when you take that much of a hit to your your revenue i guess oh yeah that that's that's most certain and i guess you know we've survived and we know we can survive for, for you know quite a bit longer because um one we don't take all our profits out of the company you know we leave money in the company for security because we've been through other disastrous times before yeah. and we know you've got to have cash backing you up and yeah. the other thing is that um we don't use our customers money until they depart whereas a okay. lot of a lot of travel businesses get the money in from a customer and we'll spend it even though that customer may not be traveling for 12 months so right so that money is all there and and you know most of our customers haven't wanted um their money back most of them are happy to just get a, a voucher for travel in the future mm. but those who really need their money back um we've got it there to give it back to them sure yeah, i mean that, that, that's, that sounds great because there's been several travel companies in the uk and i've folded because exactly because what you say they haven't kept any Thing in reserve and they spent the customer's money 
<laughs> before the customers have kind of needed yes. to use it really um what so what do you see as the, the future what what's the next 12 24 five years of of the travel industry because i'm guessing it's going to be quite different to pre-covid really it's really hard to to predict what it's going to be like um we're hoping that that things will start moving late this year if not certainly uh early in 22 and it's looking like that should be able to happen. Um, but, you know, we're very confident for the future. Uh, we're, we're changing our business to, um, to focus a lot more on uh, local travels. We call it domestic travel in our main market. So, um, you know, most of our customers come from Australia, the UK and North America. And, but we, we don't actually take many people with, uh, traveling within those countries. So, so we're ramping that up because okay. we think people will continue to want to travel in their countries. Yep. Uh, so, so we're researching, releasing lots of, of product uh, in, in our, what we call local markets, yep. uh, which is exciting uh, because it's really good to be doing, uh, doing trips in your, in your home country. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but we know people are just hanging out to start traveling again. And so, so we are confident that when um, the virus gets under control and people have had their vaccinations, they'll be out there ready to go. And so over the next five years, we, we expect to grow quite strongly as a company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just on, on a personal point of view, as I was looking through the website and looking at the available trips, you know, the the, the um, itchy feet and the wanderlust was certainly settling in. And I was thinking, oh, I'd love to go to these destinations. And and yes. some of the trips just look, look, look looked amazing. Um, uh, I guess travel flying in particular doesn't have, you know, uh, overtly that greater you know if you're an environmentalist you might say well why why are you flying at all you shouldn't be getting on planes you know is there any such thing as you know ethical travel when it comes to moving international and what, what's 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 your view on that i uh, look i think um i think we ha all have a responsibility to uh to reduce the amount we do and, and rather than doing you know, maybe three or four overseas trips each year, maybe reducing that to just one, but making it a longer trip. Mm. And, and I think people, our customers are really seeing that and, and, and thinking about the impact of their travel. And so wanting to do fewer longer trips, but also wanting to immerse themselves into, into the things that they do when they go traveling. So perhaps not covering as much territory, but the, the places you go to seeing them uh, a bit more in depth. And, and I guess that's what we've always done. And so we're in a good position to, um, to cater for people who want to do that more and more. Mm. So, so it's about um, maximising the, the travel and it's not about no impact, it's about reduced impact of, of, of travel. Reduced impact of travel, and especially reduced impact of um, of your carbon consumption, and, and mm. you know we're putting a huge effort into um, into uh, analysing what we do and, and looking at how we can uh, reduce uh, our, our carbon consumption. And, and other than the flying, the actual trips themselves aren't terribly high um, users of carbon. Mm. Um, and but we've we've been taking steps like to to minimise the um, the trips we have internally. Uh, sorry, the flights we have internally within trips. Uh, over yeah. the years and so um, but that might mean doing longer train trips or bus trips or something like that but yeah. but I think people are now um, accepting that that's what they need to do during their travels. 
yeah yeah and, and I guess what, what what's your view on the um because we're talking very much about personal um vacation style trips as opposed to you know business flying um and I don't know the splits percentages but my, my impression is that the vast majority of travel and flying is down to business trips and you know the, the domestic or the personal vacation segment is much much smaller um and therefore you know if we can all go on zoom like we are now and um and and, and work virtually that's the biggest impact rather than you know doing something different necessarily with vacations yeah, well, that will be a big impact. I'm, I'm not sure what the comparative numbers are between business and leisure travel, but the business travel is really important for um, income for the airlines because business travel travellers, travelling business class a lot more and probably pay full fare economy class, whereas, um, whereas holidaymakers try and get the best, uh, the yeah. best value deal they can. Absolutely. So that might mean that there'll be less choice of flights and less regular flights to a lot of areas because... The airlines, you know, they're bleeding money and they're going to be in a recovery yeah. mode for a long time. So they'll probably be more focused on um, on being profitable than um, than uh, winning market share. I sure. expect so. Yeah. So the number of flights they'll have will probably be significantly reduced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, and I you go to some really interesting places. You know, a lot of travel companies will go to the standard tourist hotspots hot wherever they are, whether it's you know, Bali in Indonesia or the Mediterranean in, around Europe or whatever. But but Intrepid, I noticed you go to Galapagos, Antarctica, and to some quite unusual um, uh, places. What is what, what's the, what's the reasoning for that? Is it purely consumer demand, or what? Why why have you chosen some of those more unusual destinations? Uh, I guess it comes from our history. Like um, when we created Intrepid, Daryl and I were both backpackers and we travelled um, a lot in Asia and a lot across Africa as well. Mm. And we set up Intrepid to go to uh, developing countries rather than uh, developed countries. And and that just continued on. And like we started off running uh, trips in, uh, in Asia, in Thailand. And when we started in Thailand, I was the Intrepid leader. <laughs> and, uh, and we expanded throughout Asia and then, uh, and then went into other parts of the world. And so, um, so our travels very much uh, focused on uh, experiences and, uh, you know, learning about countries that you're visiting and, and really wanting to take people to, um, to very different places from, from your uh, standard mainstream tourism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I noticed that the, 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 the trips there are to these places are about experiences and, um, you know, some people may or may not agree with going to Antarctica or to the Galapagos, but I noticed that you were quite particular on um, the way people behave and the way they, you know, what they do when they go to these these sorts of places. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about the impact of travel on you know, somewhere like Antarctica? Oh, look, absolutely. Like, um, you know, from the very start, we've always been uh, very much uh, concerned about the impact of travel. And we developed a term over, the, over time of uh, responsible travel. And we've always wanted to travel responsibly. And there's a whole lot of facets of uh, what responsible travel is. Mm. But for us, it's things like traveling in a small group so that you're not impacting the, the place you're visiting too much. It's using uh, 
uh, public transport, which we do on our trips as much as possible. So using an infrastructure that is in a country rather than having an infrastructure brought in, especially for you. Yeah. Um, we stay in locally owned ho hotels rather than international hotels. So the money stays in the country that we're, uh, we're, that we're visiting. And we do a whole lot of activities with um, sm in small communities and with very small business people um, so that they're really getting the, the benefit of tourism because quite often the, the benefit a country uh, receives from tourism or the money a country receives is leaked out from that country having to buy things just for tourists mm. or for profits being sent out uh, to the owners of businesses. Yeah. Um, whereas if we're doing a, a homestay or a cooking class just with a, a local person, that, that has a lot more positive impact. And, and so, I mean, that's really interesting. You're avoiding the kind of the, the factory process of holidays. You know, it's not a, a cruise ship turning up on a tiny island and, and 3,000 people getting off and descending and, you know, that's right. whatever they do before they go away again. Um, completely different, uh, uh, different, different concepts. Um, yes. we, we mentioned carbon uh, briefly. I noticed that you do some offsetting. How, how, what's your view on uh, offsetting and how does it how does it work for in, intrepid so um our view is that um we're part of the problem and so we've got to be part of the uh, the solution to, to carbon mm. and we first approached this as an issue way back in 2007 and we became carbon neutral in 2010 but the big thing okay. wasn't just that our business as such became to, um, carbon neutral as in our offices and things mm. um we actually made our trips carbon neutral. And as I said earlier, look, our, our trips aren't terribly intensive for their consumption of carbon. Mm. Um, because if you go trekking in Nepal, uh, you're just walking, yeah. not using, you're not, um, consuming carbon. But, but we did an assessment of how much carbon our trips consume, and then we um, offset uh, that. And so we've been doing that since 2010. It's not a opt-in or opt-out for our customer. It's just there. It's part yeah. of the trip. And it's included in the price of the trip. So, um, so, so it's just been like that for a long, long time. Um, now we've moved on so that we've, um, we've now set science-based targets for our, our carbon okay. and our, our goals for what we want to do with carbon. And we're also, um, this, from this year, we're now offsetting 125% of our carbon because you just want to put more, take more carbon out of the atmosphere. And especially as we're taking uh, people to Antarctica, which you mentioned mm. earlier, and that's a very significant uh, uh, place that's getting really impacted. Yeah. So, so we're at, we um, double the offsets uh, on the, the trip we sent to Antarctica. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, um, I mean, firstly, congratulations on doing it so early. I mean, we're getting organisations every week saying we're aiming to be carbon neutral yes. net zero whatever by 2030 2040 and you're saying well we've already done that <laughs> 10 years ago um so uh, well done on that and 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 from, but just because, so what you're saying is that you know it's not just your business operation that you're carbon neutral for it's for every single booking and trip that's made via intrepid so all those travelers going on a trip via intrepid that's all carbon neutral as well that's right, yes. Yeah, for the actually. trip itself, I mean, we don't offset their flights because um, that's, not, that's not our business and we can't possibly do that. But, you know, we do, we do encourage people to um, yeah. offset their flights when they buy them. 
Um, and we'd love to see the airlines doing more to reduce their carbon because that's just such a, a huge one uh, for the world, the, the airline industry. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, wow, so amazing. Um, do you get a certain sort of type of person that travels with you as a, an, 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 a certain type of trip? Because obviously think, you're... Think... Sorry, carry on. Um, I think the type of person is just someone who is open-minded and wants to explore the world and wants to learn. And so when you talk about a type of person, in terms of age group, we don't have a type of person. Um, in, so, you know, the most common, I guess, is uh, 25 to 45-year-old female. But we get, you know, we get families travelling with their children and we get lots of people in their 50s and 60s and 70s even travelling with us. Um, we get first-time travellers um, who really like that idea of having a, a group and a leader who are um, accompanying you and helping you along the way. Mm. But then we get really experienced travellers who've perhaps travelled in mainstream travel uh, for years and years and years and realise that there's more to travel and want to, uh, want to get more out of their travel and they find us and, and realise that, um, you know, you can learn much more about a country travelling in the intrepid style. Yeah, yeah, and and so uh, just building on that intrepid style, what what what's you know describe one of your kind of most popular trips for us? What what would what would a, that look like? You know, what how long is it? What would people do? You know, what, what what would that typical trip look like for you? So a popular trip would be something like a ten day to two week trip in Morocco, okay, and. Uh, and we'd have a group, depending on group size, which might be 12 to 16. So average group size is about 12 people. Mm. Um, they will arrive in one of the cities in Morocco, perhaps Marrakesh, and they could be arriving from, well, theoretically, 12 different countries. But you're likely to have, depending on time of year, you might have yeah. four Brits, you might have Australians, a couple of Germans, or and people from more obscure places like, um, uh, like South Africa or Israel or, or anywhere. Um, and so they'll gather there and they'll be met by the group leader whose responsibility is to, to run the whole trip. And then um, the next day, they probably won't do much uh, in that city because people, we're not about cities and people can do things in the cities the day before or, or yeah. stay on yeah. later. And so we'll head off and we might go up into the Atlas Mountains and do some walking in the Atlas Mountains. Um, we might go to beach areas, um, have a bit of time at the beach. Um, we'll, we'll visit other small towns and uh, especially uh, uh, somewhere like Morocco where the, the, the souks of the towns are, are so interesting. Um, along the way, we in a lot of trips, we try and have a homestay. So go and stay with a local family and really experience what their lives are like. Um, as I said earlier, perhaps doing a cooking class with the, the mother in, in, in the homestay. Um, yeah, so a whole variety of activities, but, but also at, at the time you've got the, the leader who is a local and they're talking about their country, mm. their history, their politics, their religion, and, and people uh, on our trips really want to suck that up and they really want to learn as much yeah. as possible. Yeah. And the leaders love talking and they love, um, they love being able to share their country and, and the, just becoming proud that foreigners are interested in learning about the country. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I'm 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 one of your typical travellers. I'm 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 sitting here listening to that trip to Morocco, and I'm 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 really itchy feet. Uh, I'd I'd love to go, and uh, it sounds amazing. I mean, that sort of holiday sounds exactly the sort of thing that I would love to do, rather than the 
packaged beach deal that you know that just leaves me cold and I would be bored within an hour of sitting on a beach somewhere in the Mediterranean and um, it doesn't interest yes, me. One of the things I think in, in reality is you go and sit on the beach and you don't necessarily forget about your work and, and whereas on one of our trips, like within two days, you think, oh, you feel like you've been traveling for weeks and you've forgotten totally about everything at home and you're just immersed into the local culture. And, and that's, that makes a great holiday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just sounds amazing. And, you know, I could talk about destinations and trips and what to do for yes. a long time. But our listeners uh, also want to hear about B Corp. So um, you're, you're, what, what, what was the reason that, uh, you know, why did you become a B Corp? Oh, look, I think when I learned about B Corp and, and we did a bit of research, we just identified with it immediately and it, it reflected our ethos and our way of doing business mm. um, and, and really is closely aligned with what we're trying to be as a company, um, which is we've more recently defined, I guess, is um, being the best travel company for the world. And okay. you know, it's that whole thing about contributing Mm. Um, rather than just taking something away. Um, and, and it reflects our dual goals that we have of, of wanting to be a growing and profitable company, but everything we do has to have purpose. And this whole purpose thing is becoming more and more uh, important in business and in, in um, capitalism, really. Um, you know, companies yeah. need to be profitable but, but it's, it's not a, a goal in itself. You know, businesses need something more than that, really, to ensure that they have long-term success. And, um, and, and having purpose in the business really contributes to that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the more and more um, bodies, governments, regulatory bodies, industry bodies are, are calling for reporting of CSR or ESG or carbon or whatever metrics you want to call it so um you know we're seeing it more and more and you have to i think everybody's going to have to do it at, at, at some point um and that the purpose thing i think you know there's been lots of surveys that have shown that organizations with purpose particularly b corps perform better than organizations that are just purely you know for profit and don't really have that uh, underlying um driver so um that's really and what do you think do you, do you think it gives um any value to your customers do you think there's the, the, the customers see any 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 value in it uh, look um the customers are beginning to i mean that was certainly wasn't one of the driving reasons because the b corp uh, logo and certification isn't well known mm. um, but the customers when they learn about it from traveling with us they certainly appreciate it the other, where it's much more important is um, is for our people. And when we first started talking about B Corp, um, our people identified with it immediately and just yeah. took it on with great enthusiasm. And we're really, really excited when we became a B Corp. Um, so, so it's great for the engagement of, of the people within a business. Yeah. Um, but it's also really important uh, now for attracting uh, people to the business. And you know, it, 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 at times it is really hard to get uh, the best people in, in a business. Um, mm. And over time, being a B Corp is certainly going to help for um, people wanting to, to work for particular businesses. Mm. So they were all delighted to become a B Corp. How, how did you find the initial uh, 
certification process was it straightforward for you did you have a lot of work to do how did you find the initial process um, the process itself is um, is great. I mean, B Corp, B Lab have done a great job of creating the process, but it, it was long and challenging for us. And I guess a couple of reasons for that. One, it was challenging because we are a for-profit business, and so um, we, we we're not a business that was created for um, particularly to have impact as a social enterprise. Sure, and, sure. Um, it's it's. It means we, we don't get much um, benefit uh, for the impact that we have. And so that meant we had to change other things within the business. So, so that took a while. The other, the other thing that made it challenging for us is that um, our business is vertically integrated and, and different from most other travel companies. And so um, as, as well as being, while we're based in Australia, we have sales and marketing companies in the UK, in Germany, in North America as well. So those companies needed to become do the assessment as well. Sure. But in addition to that, when you go on an intrepid trip, um, if you go on a trip to India, the trip is actually run by us, as distinct from most travel businesses. If you go on a trip to India, a local business runs it. And yeah. so we have um, we had at the time uh, 19 of these businesses around the world which ran the tours. In 19, in 19 different countries. Mm. And so each of those had to do the assessment. So when we did the assessment, we actually did it three times, not once. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What's more, the assessment isn't the same for every business. No. So the assessment varies on the size of the business and it varies if you're in a, um, a developed or a developing economy. And so, um, so uh, yes, it, it, was, it wasn't a simple wow. operation no. at all. I I think that's the most. I mean, we in this series of interviews, we've spoken to all sizes of business. Um, you know, from you know small two, three people to businesses with hundreds of uh, or even thousands of employees, and I don't think any of them have had to go through twenty-three different assessments to get their certification. So that's um, yeah, that's that's an achievement in itself. Uh, I'm wondering if you're when you're doing the assessment because. Um, you're not a social impact business um, and so therefore you can't necessarily count that direct community impact where you're you're based but I'm wondering you know you talked about leaving money in the economy and you know uh, in, in the scenario in Morocco where you've got uh, in, in a house and being shown how to cook by the uh, by the people in the house and, and there's an impact there and and are you able to count those those kind of things and and if you are able to count them how do you count them? Well, that's right. Well, we weren't able to count them because we, I'll talk about it in a minute, but we, um, we measured impact in a, in a different way. Okay. Uh, but measuring the impact of the benefit um, of our money going into developing economies mm. uh, would be fantastic to do, but very, very hard to yeah. do. Um, and it, yeah, so just, I don't know, you'd need a university yeah. to be able to properly do yeah. The way we measured impact was um, benefit to our travellers. And that was in a number number of ways. It was partly educational, um, it was partly health and fitness, and it was partly uh, partly cultural and environmental. Mm. And so we were able to look at our trips and make a, a, a reasonable assessment of the percentage of those trips that contribute to those areas, uh, and therefore um, uh, apply for some, some benefit for for. Um, uh, for the impact area of, um, yeah, of the yeah, assessment. Yeah. 
And yeah, so again, a challenging calculation, more challenging than most. So coming up, have you, have you just been through recertification or are you just about to do it? Uh, we're just about to do it. We, in fact, uh, um, earlier today, I was on a meeting with our, with our team and okay. it's well underway and we have to have it finished by August. Um, and we're now up to about 30 companies around the world, but um, we won't have to do it that many times because I think B Corp have been really good at addressing the issues for multinational companies because yeah. um, while we were one of the first, there's quite a few multinationals. And so what they're enabling us to do is um, pool several of the companies within a region together okay. and, and for them to do one assessment. So hopefully we might be doing eight or 10 assessments, something like that this time, which will make it a bit easier. And I think the assessment's probably a bit more streamlined uh, now as well. So um, so I think being our second time, well, it will be easy, but there'll still be some challenges because you know we've had um, huge reduction in, the, in our staff, in our workforce. Um, you know, we're, we're not necessarily doing, um, you know, we're not doing training like we usually do because people haven't been in our in our offices and sure. they're working for just hours. So there's there's going to be a few challenges there for, for things that we're, we we uh, haven't been doing that we would normally be doing. Yeah, and are you, you you hoping to improve your score? Have you targeted certain areas for improvement? And uh, which of you yeah, on so, yeah, no. So we have got you know we've got a sort of a base assessment of where we're at, and we know the sorts of things we have to be doing uh, to make sure that we get there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Good. Okay. Great. Uh, yeah. Um, well. Yeah. Well done on that. I mean, that's just a, a mind-boggling. Um, we, you know, it's challenging for most organisations to do one, let alone the numbers that you're you're dealing with. Um, great. Um, Jeff, we're asking all our guests for a, a tip or a recommendation of something that listeners can can take away and do is there is there something that you'd like to uh, recommend or suggest for guests for, for listeners uh, rather yeah there is actually so um through we haven't talked about it, but in through intrepid we have um the intrepid Fa foundation which is a okay. fundraiser um, you probably saw about it on the on the website mm. um that through the foundation and an organisation called Ecology, E-C-O-L-O-G-I, Ecology, yeah. or Ecology. Yeah, I've heard, of, I've heard of those, yeah. Oh, you've heard of them? So yeah. we're, um, we're enabling people to take direct action to offset their carbon. So Ecology have a, um, a tree planting uh, project in Kenya, just outside mm. Nairobi, and it's, um, it's being Australian is quite interesting because it's... Um, it's replacing what was a eucalypt plantation. Okay. And so, you know, eucalypts, uh, you know, they're, they're part of Australia, but they're yeah. pests in lots of parts of the world. And uh, this was an area of, um, I think it was a wetland. And so that's getting reestablished by planting trees. Mm. And so we have a, a plan where people can contribute um, different amounts, depending on how much carbon they consume themselves. Uh, and like a basic plan is £4.70 per month. Yep. Uh, to contribute and with that 12 trees are planted uh, each for that month um, but in addition to that intrepid plants 12 trees to match that okay uh, and so so while there's debate in in uh in the carbon industry about whether tree planting is good or not sure um for carbon offsetting yep. definitely debate there but tree planting in itself is good because it has other benefits yeah and so we're enabling people to uh, yeah, just for four four seventy a month to do that, 
Um, and if they, if you have a family or you drive a lot or you a regular flyer, there's options to increase uh, that uh, to, yeah. to a higher amount and getting uh, more trees uh, yes. planted. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Yeah. I mean, so obviously I was aware of the ecology, ecology, however you say it, service. Um, but, but what you're saying is if you go via the Intrepid Foundation that that you then match um, what, what's being what's being done via ecology. Right. Is that right? Yes. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, in which case we'll we'll point everybody in your direction in future then instead of um, instead of that direction. I mean, that, that sounds amazing. So uh, that, um, you know, that. Uh, one for one um, uh, concept is, you know, we see it in all sorts of areas across sustainability, and um, yeah, it's only to be to be admired. So we'll we will find the links for that. We will give them. Uh, we'll put them on the show pages. So if listeners are interested, and it's a it's a tiny amount, you know, even if you're, you know, want to persuade your 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 business to do it or your company to do it then you know it's a it's yes. a great great thing to be doing um yeah. uh, we also asked jess for a uh, a book or a, a film recommendation is there anything you'd like to suggest our listeners uh, read well i read a really interesting book um just recently called impact and it's actually written by a brit a guy called ronald cohen who's a british venture capitalist and chair of social finance uk do you know him okay no no not aware of no. the name so this book, Impact, and because Impact is is so topical for, mm. for B Corps, it's really yeah. interesting. And, um, and one of the things that really grabbed my attention, it talks about that 100 years ago or even longer, when, when people started investing in businesses, the only thing that they were concerned about was profit, yeah. and which, which is understandable. But then perhaps about 50 years ago, risk came into the equation. And, and you've got that trade-off between profit and risk. And if something was very high risk, you'd expect to get a higher profit. Yeah. Now there's a third uh, factor coming in, and that's impact. Yeah. And he, he makes this really great argument that uh, profit, risk, impact will be what we look at in the future. And, uh, and I found that, uh, found that really interesting because we're so much into impact ourselves. And, and he talks about social impact investing and impacting and green bonds and all sorts of things. And in the UK, that market is quite well developed, much more than in Australia. Yeah. And, and it's going to be um, an interesting way of achieving um, social outcomes that the governments traditionally have perhaps been very poor at, um, at, at achieving. And through, through people investing in, in an outcome, um, it, just to give you an example, it might be um, something like, assisting people coming out of prison to get work yeah. so they don't so they don't commit more offences and the government will will say if you can show that you're successful at that we'll give you a million dollars and so people invest in the bonds to achieve the outcome and then the, the reward comes at the end which is a very basic way of describing it and and so yeah i found this book uh, really fascinating yeah no we'll, we'll we'll i'll certainly look that up that sounds really interesting and we'll We'll find it. We'll link it up in, in the in the show notes, and that that completely resonates with what I'm seeing. I um, spend time uh, because we've got another another product, another business which we're looking for investment for, and the the numbers of places where uh, impact investing, sustainable investing, impact venture capital is is now uh, available, and you know the, the the requirements are are different. You're you're correct. It is. 
Um, they want a return on their investment, but they are also looking for uh, a definable, measurable impact. And, and you can't get into these investment funds unless you have both. And so there are a growing group of investors who are saying, if you don't have an impact, we're not investing in you. You know, however yeah. good your profit is, we're not going to invest in you. So it's a it's a really interesting and, and, and growing area. Um, Jeff, if people want to look you up or find Intrepid Travel, what's the what's the best way to to find you? Is it to the website? Uh, look, um, the web the website for sure. Look, if they if people want to contact me personally, they can find me pretty easily on LinkedIn. Okay, um, and and I don't always check it, but yeah, reasonably regularly. <laughs> Okay. Uh, but otherwise, yes, the Intrepid website and the Intrepid Foundation website um, okay. are really, um, really great for um, for finding out what we're about. And and we have a fantastic blog on the website, which which has really interesting stories of um, of the people behind Intrepid, especially the a lot of our leaders uh, around the world are really mm. interesting people. Great. Okay. Well, we'll we'll make sure that those are those are linked up, and listeners go and go and have a look at the website and. Uh, try not to spend as much time on it as I did looking at the the fantastic adventures and trips that you could take but um, yeah it looks amazing and if I was uh, at a point when we're allowed to travel and we can book something I'll certainly be looking at it because it's um, as I say the the type of adventure and travel that I would I would love to do personally so um, yeah thanks for telling us about that Jeff. Um, it's now that time in in the show where we play fact or fake and um, I don't know if I'm pleased to say or not that that Jeff has prepared some uh, facts or fakes for me. So, um, uh, yeah, slightly trepidatious about how I'm going to do, but um, uh, over to you, Jeff. <laughs> okay, well, my first one, it's not very hard, really, but um, have you heard, do you know what an echidna is, an Australian animal called an yes. echidna? Yep. Yeah, so an echidna is, for people who don't know, it's a bit like a, a hedgehog, a small hedgehog, yep. and they're very special animals because they're monotremes. They're they're um, one of two monotremes in the world, the echidna and the platypus, and they're unique animals because uh, they lay eggs, but they suckle their young. Yeah. And um, echidnas live on uh, ants and, you know, small, small um, insects and things like yeah. that. And they, they, um, they, um, they dig up ants in the ground and things. And, and I've read recently, um, about how much soil echidnas move each year in, in um, digging up their food. And so okay. I, I want you to tell me, is it true or false that an echidna, which is a tiny little an animal, moves seven tonnes of soil each year in foraging for food? Oh, that's an unfeasible amount of earth. And the echidna's not big. I'm going to say that's a fake. I don't think they can move seven tons that's a huge amount no it's true it's, it is seven tons, tons of, wow it's almost one of the ones it's so ridiculous it's got to be true but yeah um it is true and actually they're they're really important for um for re-oxygenating -oxygen soil and mm. um yeah so yeah it's just an amazing thing yeah yeah, yeah. well done the echidna um another one okay um I might have given you a hint on this one. Um, Intrepid's been running tours in the in the UK for ten years. Okay. Is it, have I got to say if that's a fact or a fake? Yes. Um, ten years would be two thousand and ten. I think that's a fake. I think it's a little bit longer, isn't it? Is it 
Yes and no. It's a fake. You're right. It's a fake, but it's not longer. Oh, it's shorter. We've only, we've only run trips in the UK for one year. It's only probably oh. only eight months since COVID came that we started running trips in the okay. UK. And it's now part of our local range, and we've got 18 different itineraries, and we've got so cycling and wow. walking and yeah, yeah. family trips. Um, you know, to a variety of places like the Peak District. Lake District, Cornwall, your area, yeah, yeah. Um, Wales, Scotland. So, um, so we're really exciting, excited about that being a new destination yeah. for us. I mean, that, that that looks like a sort of a fully uh, mature travel service. I wouldn't. Uh, in eight months, you've done remarkably well to get that set up in that that length of time. Yeah. yeah wow. And is there one more? Oh, okay. One more. Um, this is a bit of a trip. One. Orphanages are for children with no parents. all children have parents um it's just whether those parents want them or are around or well i guess unless they're still alive i guess um so the statement was orphanages are for children with no parents yeah i think that's a fake i think they're for there for all sorts of reasons yeah no that's that's probably fair enough and why i brought that up is because Orphanage tourism has become quite a big business, mm. and um, but it shouldn't exist because um, in most orphanages in, in develop, developing countries around the world, and especially places like um, Nepal and Kenya, orphanages aren't for orphan children. They're just for children who've been placed there, and most of them uh, have parents, um, and they shouldn't be in there because orphanages, while they're good as a last resort, they're actually not great for children. Yeah, and yeah. orphanage tourism isn't something that our people should be supporting mm. uh, and it needs to, to die out and orphanages need to be um, to be only for, for um, yeah. children with no parents and or as a transition yeah it's a transition yeah. for people for yeah. children to go back to families yeah. yeah no that's a that's a that's a great issue to raise um, not something you think of is it you know you think you know, you go to some of these more unusual travel destinations and you might visit an orphanage and you don't think of the, the kind of the knock-on impact of, of that travel. So that's, um, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, Jeff, I do, have, I do have three facts or facts, which I, I, I've prepared, so I will, I will test you with. So I think I, I lost that. That was 2-1 to you. Um, and let, let's see if I'm any more successful with, with mine. And mine are all about um, uh, sustainable travel. Um, so my first one is 60% um, of people say they want to travel in a more sustainable way. Is that a fact or is it a fake? Uh, I would say that was a fact. Okay, well, it's not, it's a fake. It's fortunately, good news is it's more. 87%, so nearly 90% of people say they want to travel in a more okay. sustainable way. So that's, that's, yeah. that's really good news. I probably so, should have known that, but it would so, be higher. Yes. If, yeah. if, if you're a travel company, make it more sustainable because that's what people want. Um, the next one is a train from Berlin to Amsterdam emits 15 times less CO2 than flying the same route. 15 tons less. 15 times less. Times less. Oh, yes, I would say that was true. It is true. So if you can get a train, and as Jeff said earlier, yes. a lot of their trips use public transport, then it's an awful lot better for you know, reducing that CO2. And finally, 70% um, of global travellers are willing to pay more for holidays that demonstrate environmental responsibility. Is that a fact or is that a fake? I would say that was true as well. 
Well, unfortunately not. Most people, you know, so people say they want to be more sustainable. When it comes to where it counts in the pocket, only 53% are willing to pay okay. more for sustainable or environmentally responsible holidays. I'm surprised. So, I would have thought, yeah, I would have thought mm, more people would be willing to, whether they do it, yeah. would they would be willing. Yeah. So it's interesting. They want more sustainable travel, but not necessarily, they're not all prepared to pay for the more sustainable travel. So that was interesting findings from that survey um jeff thank you so much for your time it's been really interesting i've really loved hearing about intrepid and and all, and all the things you're doing at all sorts of different stages of, of the, the the travel call it journey but you know that the, the, the travel piece it's um it's uh, really interesting and um i've learned uh, things today i'm sure the listeners uh, will have done and um yeah thank you so much for joining us pleasure great to talk with you we really hope that you found this special B Corp Month episode both informative and entertaining. Make sure you don't miss any of the other 31 interviews with B Corporations who are striving to be a force for good. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. And don't forget to spread the word with others. If you have any questions about being or becoming a B Corp or any comments and suggestions about the show, please do get in touch. You can email studio at greenelephant.show or visit our website greenelephant.show or find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube or Twitter by searching for Green Elipod or The Green Elephant Show. You can also review the show on Google and Apple Podcasts. Join us tomorrow and we hope you have a sustainable day.